Yes, indeed, you are a child of God and a child of the living God. We are grateful to you, God, for this position that you have put us in. We are grateful to you. That, Lord, we can come to you as children and children who are dearly loved. We thank you, God. When we were far away and we didn't deserve to be loved, Lord, you found us, and you took us in, and you brought us home, and you've adopted us as your own children, and Lord, through your son Jesus, you have given us everything. We are grateful to you. Even as we come in worship and adoration, may we know the depth of your love, and how far you have brought us, and what you have made us. In Jesus' name, amen. And may the peace of God that passes every understanding be with all of us. Amen. We want to continue our message, You Are God's Adopted Child. And today we'll be looking at knowing who your father is. Knowing who your father is. So we're talking about the broad theme, You Are God's Adopted Child. And once again, we'll read the theme texts that we've read already. Let's go through them once more. Romans chapter 8, from verse 15 through to 17. 
and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Romans 8, 15 through to 17. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. 1 John chapter 3 from verse 1. 1 John chapter 3, 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Let's quickly jump to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. We read from verse 4 through to 7. Galatians 4, 4 through to 7. Once again, I read from the ESV. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Amen. Last week, we began with part one of your God's adopted child, and we emphasized on knowing who you are. Knowing who you are. We learned that as Christians, we are God's adopted children. That God has one begotten son, the Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. But when he wanted to have many more sons and daughters, he adopted us. We learned that he planned this adoption idea long ago in Christ Jesus, even before the creation of the world. And we read from Ephesians chapter 1, 4 through to 6, and chapter 2 and verse 10. You also learn that it is not just, just talking about it, but we are legally adopted. And we read that from Galatians chapter 4, 4 through to 7. And that is where we learn that Christ was born as a man to redeem us. He was born under the law, so that legally... God can adopt us as children once more. You know, God created us as his own children, but man defected and we sold out to the devil. And so it was like we belonged to the devil. And so God had to legally regain us, adopt us. And that is what Jesus Christ came to do. We also learned that we have received the spirit of Christ. And that is the spirit of adoption, and which makes us God's very own children. And so the spirit in us, you know that humans, we are spiritual beings. We are spiritual beings. We have a soul, and we live in a body. 
And so the most important aspect of us which lives eternally is the spirit. And that is why we needed to have a new spirit, that is the spirit of Christ. And it is the spirit of Christ that takes us into the adoption, becoming God's own children. We learn that as children, we have benefits, several of them. And we spoke about the fact that we've been delivered from bondage, we've been delivered from slavery. We also learn that as children, we have access to our Father's presence. We don't need to go between or a bishop or some kind of a prophet, but we can say, Abba, Father. We have rights to the name of Christ. And that is why we have become Christians, aside from being Ghanaians or Nigerians or Americans. We are also, most of all, Christians. And that is the one that will take us into eternity. But when we get to heaven, there will be no more Ghanaian or Nigerian or Sierra Leonean or American or Russian, but there will be children of God. People who have been purchased with the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. We also learn that we have rights to God's inheritance. We are continuing with knowing who your father is. So now that we know that we are children, we should know who our father is. I know that there are some children who are not sure who their father is. Some to the reason that when they were growing up, they never saw their father. Maybe when the woman got pregnant, the father was nowhere to be found. And so they never knew their father. And as these kind of children begin to grow up, they begin to inquire. They begin to ask questions. They begin to look and ask mommy, mommy, where is dad? Maybe the, the, the father died at a very tender age. So they've never seen them. So it is important to know who our father is as you know that you are a child. Theologically, adoption is a family idea where through love, God has become our father. Our sin separated us from our true father in heaven. But God in his mercy, God in his grace has welcomed us and he has called us back home. And the process and the procedure is once you accept him as Lord and personal savior, he has done this work already as we learned last week that from the beginning of creation, God knew you and you were in his master plan. Your name was there. Everything about you was there. God was just waiting for the right time. And when the fullness of time came, God found you and brought you home. And by the precious blood of his dear son, Jesus Christ, he has washed us and he has cleansed us and made us whole. We who once were lost and dead and eternally condemned to hell's fire by the grace of God when Jesus Christ died on the cross and then he shouted, Eli, Eli, Lamar, Sabathani, and then God took his eyes off him because he was working a plan where we can also enter into Christ and get to God. 
And after Jesus Christ had conquered, he shouted, it is finished. And as soon as he said that, I, Kwame, quickly found myself in Christ, going through Christ to my father. And therefore, I have become a child of God. Oh, what indescribable grace. What infinite love and mercy that the Lord has bestowed on us. We will never understand this love until one day, one day, one day. And so John says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1, 1 John chapter 3 verse 1 says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And he asked that, and that is what we are. And that is what we are. How great is the love that the Father has lavished on us. And so we are children of God. God has indeed lavished his love on us. And when we say something has been lavished, it means that he has given it in abundance freely. He has loved. It is like a couple, father and mother, who are married and are praying and waiting for the fruit of the womb. And they continue to pray. They do all what is obstetrically and gynecologically right. And yet the baby is not coming. And then gradually, maybe after 10 years or after 15 years, they get their own child, the fruit of the womb. When that child comes, because they have waited, because they have spent a lot, because a lot of prayer had gone into that child, the parents begin to lavish their love on that child to the extent that other people standing outside look at the parents or look at the child and they say, you are spoiling your child. You are spoiling in, in that sense. What they mean is that you are loving the child too much because you know the extent to which you went through to have that child. And if I think about God, how long it took him to begat us, how long it took him to adopt us. Scripture says that he planned this idea before the beginning of the world, in creation, even before creation. And if I can remember a bit of my science, you know, scientists have not even been able to calculate correctly the age of this world. But some believe that modern humans have existed on this earth for about 300,000 years. 300,000 years. So we don't know how long it took God to create the universe. The, the day we find in Genesis is not our 24-hour day. Because when God was creating the sun and the moon that direct, all these things have not been created. And yet the Bible talks about day one. And so that day one is God's own day. And that is why scripture says to God, a day could be a thousand years. So the seven days could be 7,000 years, we don't know. But at least we know that we have existed on earth for 300,000 years. And when God created Adam, he wanted a child. They wanted a child. And then Adam failed. He continued to still have a child. And so he went and then he found Noah. At one time, human beings wanted to, you know, break his heart. But thank God he found Noah. But then Noah, after the flood, also messed himself up. And so he still decided to have a child. 
He went for Abraham. Abraham was a friend of God. Did everything right. But at one time, he even left his wife and went for his maid. And so, there was a question mark on Abraham. So God wanted to get somebody. And then he found Israel. And then the Israelites, ah, they broke God's heart. They were a kind of a people. God would do everything possible to get them right. They were not getting right. So when all these things have lost, God still wanted to do it. And so he decided to come down himself. He decided to come down himself. And that is why Galatians was saying that, born of a woman. And then when finally Jesus Christ came, the plan of God was effected. So it took God, I know, it took God, it took God over 300,000 years to get me. So can you imagine how much he will love me? Can you imagine how much he will love you after all these years and then finally we become children of God and we begin to love him and then know the Lord Jesus Christ. No wonder he lavishes his love on me and on you. And so sometimes when we are even going wrong, we are going amiss. He says that he will leave the 99 and still follow us so that we will come back to him. Child of God, God is still looking for you. Like the father that the prodigal son had left and gone to waste his resources. While the child was losing and wasting resources, the father's heart was still after him. So when finally the father was waiting and then the son came back, all what the father was waiting for is that father, I have sinned against God and you. Take me one more time as your own child. And the father welcomed him. Today, you have a father. You have a father who loves you so much. Let's look at our relationship with God the father. And so God my father. God my father. And let me use the gospel according to St. John, chapter 20, to explain it. John 20, let's read from verse 10. The gospel according to St. John, chapter 20, from verse 10 through to 18. From the NIV. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Now Jesus had been crucified and he's been buried. And on the day of resurrection, Bible said the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. My brother, my sister, stop crying and turn around. Jesus is by your side. And he's watching you. 
He knows the pain. He understands the pain you are going through. Stop crying and just turn around and come to yourself that you have a father in heaven. He understands your plight. Maybe you tell any other person they will not understand. Sometimes when something terribly wrong, something is going deep through inside you. And then you begin to cry. People come and comfort you. And then, well, okay, okay. You know, it's like you accept it. You try to encourage yourself. But only God knows what is going inside, deep inside that person. A few days ago, we visited a bereaved minister's wife. And as we tried to comfort her, you could still see the tears flowing. He was all right, waking up in the morning, going to the area office to do some work. And as he was going, he felt a pain on the chest. Continued to the office, started doing some work. The pain returns. He was rushed to the hospital. It subsided, he became all right. The next morning, the pain came again. And before the wife, the sophomore could call the doctors around, he had gone. Just like that, in a twinkle of an eye. Gone. Something unexpected. Why wouldn't you cry? But the angel said, why are you crying? These things may happen, but it is not all lost. Your Jesus is still standing around. Maybe we cannot explain it, but there is one who understands. Tell it all to Jesus. He is the one who cares. Tell it all to Jesus. All your burdens bear. Maybe if you tell me, I will not understand. But you can tell it all to Jesus. For Jesus understand. Tell it all to Jesus. He's the one who cares. Tell it all to Jesus. All your burdens bear. Maybe if you tell me, I will not understand. But you can tell it all to Jesus. For Jesus understands. So woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? And thinking he was a gardener. She said, I'm continuing the reading from John 20, verse 15. Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary, Mary, yes, he knows her name. He knows your name. He knows my name. He knows you, you are not hidden from him. Because you are a brother to him. You are a sister to him. Mary. Then she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabuni, which means teacher. Your big brother is around. He is still watching you. He's not forgotten about you. He will not keep silent forever. When you cry out to him, he will hear you. 
and he will answer you. Hallelujah. If you call to him, he will answer you. If you run to him, he will run to you. If you lift your hands, he will lift you up. Come now, praise his name, all you saints of God. So call him. He will answer you. Jesus, and this is why I want you to see very clearly. So please look into your Bible, verse 17, John 20, verse 17, and look at this. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father, to the Father. He makes it general. And then he begins to talk about the relationship between God and us and what he had just completed doing on the cross and in the grave. And so he said, go instead. And then he said, to my brothers, and the sisters were included in this, and tell them, and now he's personalizing it, I am returning to my father, and your father, hallelujah, go to my brothers, Go to my sisters. When you get there, tell them and give them this message. I am returning to my father. But this time around, because of what I have done, because I have bought and purchased you, and now you are adopted children, as you go tell them, tell them that I am going to my father. You realize that in scripture, Jesus had always often referred to God as a father. I and the father are one. I do what my father tells me to do, and so forth and so forth. On this particular occasion, on the resurrection Sunday, he tells them, go to my brothers, because now they have become adopted. The adoption process had legally been completed. And so he told them, I am now returning to my father. And this time around, I am not only the father to him, the son to him, but to your father as well. To my God and your God. Hallelujah. Oh, we have a father in heaven. We have a father in heaven. If your earthly father had not loved you enough, there is a father who loves to the extent that he can sacrifice his own life for you so that he will redeem you from the depth of, from the depth of grave, from hell pit, and bring you to a place of authority to his own throne. My father and your father, my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he has said these things to her. Your father and my father. Jesus is our brother. And God is our father. And this was what all the time Jesus was trying to teach the disciples. And that is why when you read from Matthew chapter 6, from 6 to 9, when he was teaching them to pray, Matthew 6, 6 to 9, when he was teaching them to pray, he said, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, 
for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our father, hallelujah, and my father. You have a father who loves you so much, who provides for you, who cares about you, who listens to you, who protects you, who loves you. All the things that a father will do, he will do and do more because he is the father of all humanity and therefore he understands fatherhood. He understands parenting. He understands it more than any other human. No matter what a earthly father would do for you, you have a father in heaven who lavishes his love on you. Matthew chapter 7, 7 through to 11. Matthew 7, 7 through to 11. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Now, this is where Jesus begins to explain the nature of the heavenly father. For everyone, and then he compares with the earthly father. For everyone who has received, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, look at the earthly father versus the heavenly father. Verse 9. Which of you, if his sons ask for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Hallelujah. If we as humans, with all our limitations, with all our weaknesses, with all our lack of resources, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more? And when I was thinking about this, it came to mind that looking at me, as frail as I am, human as I am, with all my limitations and everything, if I want the best for my children, if I want Freddie Z to have a good future and a good life, if I want my daughter Sandy Baby and Angel Mike and Ajua Eunice and Lena and all the other, I have a lot of children, and all of them and Amwakua and others, to have a good life, to have a good education, to have a God-fearing husband, to have lovely children, to have good family, for their future to be great and everything to be all right. If I want them to be in good health and all these things, and I think about them and I give them when they need, when they ask me, I try by all means with a little I have to share with them. If I do this for them in all my incapabilities, how much more? How much more? How much more will your father in heaven, who has all the resources, who is all powerful, who owns the universe, who owns the heaven and the earth, whom the Bible says gold and silver are mine, how much more? If you have a father who loves and cares and can even ask his son Jesus to die for you, how much more? How much more? If you have a father 
who is looking for you to come around so that you can become a better person. How much more? How much more that you have a father that when you are sick, you don't even need a medicine. But when you say, in the name of Jesus, arise, and then the sick is healed. This is the father we have. A father who cares. A father who loves. A father who is everything. A father that I cannot stop mentioning his name. He is God the Almighty. The omnipotent God. The omniscient God. The omnipresent God. Who never leave me alone. He is behind me. And he is ahead of me. He watches over my footsteps. He guards and guides me. And he feeds me. He gives me air to breathe. All the good things that I see around you um, and me, it has been by the grace and the mercy of God. How much more if you humans are able to do good to your children? How much more? Stop crying. You have a father who thinks about you and who loves you. How much more? Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 17, Romans 5, verse 17. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? How much more? Romans chapter 5, verse 10 says, For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of a son. When we were God's enemies, we were reconciled. How much more having been reconciled? Never on earth. How much more? At the time you didn't know him. At the time you were not even serving him. At the time you wouldn't even come to church. At the time, you wouldn't identify yourself as a child of God or as a Christian. Even at that time, he protected you. So, Oshia was so. Now, Omar, what do you need here? How much more? And now, what's the same? God is still with you, and he is your father. How much more? He cares, and he loves, and he thinks about you. I want you to put this in your head. That wherever you are, know that your father is there waiting for you. And he loves you so much. Let me end with one story, but I love sharing it. In 1992, Derek Redmond was running the 400 meters race of his life. And that was in Barcelona, in Spain, at the Olympic Games. And as he ran to try to finish, he pulled a hamstring. He fell. And then the paramedics came around, and then they decided to help him and put him off the track. And then he said, no, I want to finish the race. I want to finish the race. So they allowed him. He got up. But then he was limping. He couldn't. He was limping. And then all of a sudden, whilst everybody had left him, and then they were watching on, they saw a man running from the stands and coming towards him. So the security tried to stop him. And when they tried to stop him, he told them, that guy, that boy is my son. I need to go to him. As soon as they heard he's my son, they left him. And then when he got to him, Derek, even though he didn't want the paramedics to come around him, he saw daddy. And when he recognized daddy, daddy put his round around him. And together, 
they started limping, growing gradually, on and on, on and on. It took them several minutes, but then still they were able to cross the finishing line. And his story has become the Olympic spirit because the father wanted to help the son. You have a father. When you fall, he will rise and come to you. And then he will hold you and walk you together to the finishing line. You will finish the line. You will finish the race. You will get to your destination. Just hold on. Never give up. When I fall, I will rise. When I fall, I will get up. Because Jesus is with me. And my father is watching me from the stands. He is watching me from the stands. He will not be rot on the ground. But he will take me and take me on. He is my friend and a darling father. Oh God. Who are we that you love us so much? That Can you hear me when, when I, I call? Oh, is it true that you love me so much? Is it, is it true, true that you are thinking Yes, you keep thinking of me. How you love me. Yes, it's amazing. It is amazing. It's amazing. It is
your father. Just talk to your father. Talk to your father as a child will talk to the father. Begin to talk to your father. Tell him your heart. Tell him your mind. Everything that you want to tell him. If you want to praise him, you want to worship, you want to tell him anything. If you tell, want to tell him your knees, whatever, speak to your father. Oh, you are my father. My father, my father, my father. How I love you. How I adore you. How I worship you. Oh, thank you, God, that you've made me a child. When we're looking around for children, Lord, you have taken me as well. Father, I want to bless your name and thank you for your goodness and love. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your word. So true, so real that we are indeed your sons. You are our Father. Jesus is our brother. This is truth. And we thank you for this adoption, for this amazing, awesome privilege. We do not take it lightly at all. We are eternally grateful. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. 